Look, the reason why I'm so excited to be recording these podcasts again, or these episodes again, is because simply, I love the stuff we talk about, whether that be politics, um, social issues, entertainment issues, entertainment back and forth with celebrities. All in all, overall, what I love and what everybody loves is controversy. And, and before I get the saints in the chat, um, when I say controversy, I'm not saying like, oh, man, yeah, we. I just love being a contrarian, man. I, I love being that guy who goes against the grain and against the system. No, people like that are pretty annoying. <laughs> uh, I don't really like the um, archetype of a controversial person that, you know, society usually deems to be controversial um, because they're usually problematic. And I don't like problems. I don't like drama. But the thing is, is controversy is fun. Because the reason why controversy is fun to talk about is because simply it's divisive. So in this episode, like almost every single other episode that's been recorded on this podcast, we're here to talk about controversy. We're here to talk about a specific topic that is not only dividing America, but dividing the left. And that is defund the police. What does exactly defund the police mean? Does it mean that we take a path, um, an incremental path, looking towards abolishing the police force? Does it mean that we're not necessarily trying to abolish the police force, but it decrease it, uh, decrease the militarization of police and reallocate resources to better pro programs like social welfare programs that could better actually <clears throat> target the needs of the community? Or should we just drop defund the police period and actually fund the police more so they can get better training um, better equipment for body cams, and so on and so on. Well, this is what this episode is about. It's very tricky, very confusing, but yes, when defund the, defund the police, unfortunately, isn't a monolith. Um, when people say defund the police, they can mean several different things, and specifically three. Um, one is dismantle the police, which is completely abolishing the police, and two is reallocating resources, which I like to call the 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 real defund the police, um, and three, don't defund or touch police funding at all. Actually, increase it so cops could be, uh, have equipment and better training to do their jobs. Um, so for this episode, we're gonna go through all three of those, um, and then I will at the end say what is the most optimal way of going about things, in my opinion. Um, so let's get started. So the first thing we're gonna talk about or touch on is dismantling the police. Now, out of all of the suggestions or all of the prescriptions to deal with police brutality, because let's just say that police brutality is a real thing. So, you know, you know, you can say it's sloganeering, Jim Clyburn, but at the end of the day, these are real issues. And even Clyburn knows that. So the first thing we're gonna talk about is the most radical approach, it seems, which is dismantling the police. Now, before we go into actually dismantling the police, um, let's talk about what happened specifically to Minneapolis when 
uh, after the George Floyd stuff and they decided to dismantle the police. So, you know, the George Floyd stuff happens and during this big summer of na nationwide protests, Minneapolis decides to take in the street in, in, in huge numbers. I'm talking about activating and organizing and protesting in huge numbers, like huge. I remember seeing a video of this lady, um, uh, this black woman with glasses, and um, she was kind of the lady with the megaphone. Um, I don't know if that was um, Mrs. Lisa, um, that Lisa, um, Lisa Clemens, I don't know if that was her specifically, but I remember she had the megaphone and, you know, she was basically, you know, just uh, parroting, you know, um, basically repeating what the crowd was saying, which is defund the police, defund the police. And uh, that's when the mayor, Jacob Frey, you know, said that, like, look, we have to do something about our police department. And because the 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 constant misconduct and mistreatment of our citizens it, it has to stop but he also said that we have to refrain from defunding the police actually dismantling the police um and just focus on how to reform it and this is kind of what some local black leaders in minneapolis thought too um well the older generation but you know uh, the actual citizens the actual community they, they took to the streets and they, they even kind of like uh, threatened Mayor Jacob Frey with his uh, electoral status, which is fine. You know, nothing's wrong with saying like, hey, bro, if you don't do this, we're going to vote you out. Now, I'm not saying that's inherently good, good either. Like, you know, uh, you know, Republicans are doing that to, you know, the, the Georgia secretary of state and Georgia governor for, uh, you know, not being hard enough about uh you know, fraud in this election. So the Republicans are saying, hey, if you as Secretary of State don't do something about this, we're, we're not voting for you the next go around. Uh, so it, it could be bad, but nothing's inherently good or bad about threatening your politician's electoral status. This is how, you know, this is actually the second part of voting, you know, um, is, you know, the actual responsibility in voting. You know, it just doesn't stop at, at electoralism and casting that ballot. But feel like I'm getting my, uh, getting ahead of myself. Um, but yeah, Mayor Jacob Frey, they he he pulled up while they were like protesting in the street, and basically Lisa Clemens, you know, said him like, "Hey, look, now, do you, are you going to dismantle and defund the police?" And he said, I, "I can't promise that, you know." And she said, "Well, do you know if you don't say yes, you know, we're gonna be basically voting for a new mayor," and then. He was just saying, you know, we have to do something about the police force, but we can't necessarily defund it. And so the next day, the whole council board um, decided to uh, vote yes to dismantle the police because they seen how much it affected their electoral status. Now, fast forward to August 5th, we see that the move to dismantle or disband the Minneapolis Police Department in the wake of George Floyd's killing um is now facing an, an uncertain future now it's been delayed to you know um as an initiative on the november ballot um instead of like you know them just getting it out the way and kind of like you know accelerating the process of dismantling the police force and it just out of intellectual honesty ever since there's been disbandment it there has been a rise in you know shootings 
um, and, and, and petty crime. So for most people, their, their concerns about dismantling the police is what's really the alternative? You know, because here's the thing, people are naturally, you know, solution based or prescriptive based. They want to know what will be, be the prescription to are yeah the prescription to actually solving you know this problem and if we're going to completely dismantle it what is that going to necessarily look like now minneapolis doesn't necessarily have it all together because it kind of happened fast so i'm not really using minneapolis as a telltale of why not of why we are why not to dismantle our police department or why we shouldn't um but you know, it, it is something, you know, it, 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 it is something to see that, like, you know, this is some scary territory we're headed in. And when, when, when people talk about specifically dismantling the police force, I feel like they just focus on, you know, the slogan and, and our, you know, the rhetoric and don't really dive deep into what this should look like after we dismantle the police. Um, first of all, when we're talking about dismantling just for intellectual honesty dismantling equals abolishment you know uh so when we're talking about abolishing the police force that ha that cannot be done on a federal level just to imagine all of that decentralization on a federal level like oh my god um because one thing that we got to understand is that regional politics exists and you know you know a police department in you know, this area is could be totally more corrupt than a police department in this area. Say, for instance, um, in my city, uh, Porata, Texas, we've had some, you know, some really shisty stuff happen in our police department with the firing of our police chief um, um, for mishandling misconduct and for, you know, the uh, stuff that happened with an officer. Uh, named Antoine, as far as he was giving, bri he was bribing people um, as a cop. Um, so yeah, my, our police department isn't as, you know, isn't clean either. But at the same time, um, I don't really look at dismantling our police department either. Um, our police department isn't as racist, well, really isn't nearly racist, really not racist at all compared to the Baltimore um, police department, right? Our, um, uh, our, you know, don't have as high as misconduct as the Minneapolis Police Department, man. Like um, these, like like Minneapolis and Baltimore are two police departments that have like long history of aiding and abetting in institutional racism. A long history of literally planting guns and drugs um, on black citizens, so it could be easier for them to arrest them. And, and so, when I when we're talking about defund the police, it has to be on the local level, um, because on a local level, this is the only way we're gonna get what we necessarily need by you know establishing civilian uh, review uh, boards, um, a, a civilian review you review board that you know has clause to where like um, we they also don't only decide you know if a cop should be let go for negligence and misconduct, but also decides who the police chief and reigning over the police, who's basically the head 
what is it? H uh oh yeah, H N I C. Who's the H N I C, right? Um making sure they um making sure the citizens have a power and who uh is the police chief as well. And you know, uh reallocating funds on a local level to um social programs. Now now let's see, that's another thing. Um it also depends on what city, right? Um, because you know, you kinda you're gonna kinda need a really big economy uh for your city to really kind of like dismantle the police um and in adequate and have adequate replacements for that. Now I would say what um people worry about as far as like the fear mongering, what'll happen when we don't have police. Um what people gotta understand is that, you know, over ninety percent of actual like um uh police crime or police work is nonviolent, right? It's nonviolent. Um not now I'm not saying violence doesn't occur because it does. Like I just said earlier, Minneapolis has had an uptick of uh, you know, shootings and uh petty crimes. But when 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 you look at the overall scope and things, police aren't like, you know, just as far as like one police officer He's not gonna. He's not getting shot at every day of the year. You know what I'm saying? This police officer does a lot of book work, um, a lot of desk work, um, depending on their department. Um, but but it's it, 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 it. So the the idea that you know, well, how are we gonna you know really solve our our you know what our social work our social workers gonna be the people with guns? Um, our 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 social worker is going to be the people who stop um, these lunatic maniacs from going out on the show. Yeah, you don't really necessarily have to worry about that. Security will still exist, right? Um, uh, people still hire for security. Um, but I, I understand your concern. And me, as a person who is focused more, um, since I have do have my socialist bias, on centralization, uh, it, this doesn't really seem like the optimal route for me. But the fear mongering, the fear mongering, you know, argument about, you know, people are going to die the next day. We don't necessarily know that because we never seen a world, you know, without the police. Right. And not only we never seen a world without the police, but we never really tried to prescribe a world without the police. You know, um, after sheriffs kind of came into town during like the Wild Wild West um, and then like uh, people started forming municipalities and um, we kind of seen that, you know, law enforcement and kind of like government was a good thing because it held people accountable and made things just more fair across the board for people. Um, when we're talking about um, enforcing, you know, welfare programs or, um, you know, minimum wage laws, um, law enforcement, you know, in the earlier days were, were a big part in like kind of like instituting these ideals or these reforms. So. Um, that that's one thing we have to understand when we're talking about dismantling the police. But am I am I personally for dismantling the police? Uh, no, uh, I, I believe in a more centralized um, route to where we 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 impact police reform. We 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 do things to impact police reform on you know a national level but then leave it up to local municipalities to see how far if do they want to take it um because at the end of the day i understand if i live in baltimore if i live in ferguson you know dismantle my police department right um same thing for minneapolis um 
but to kind of say that could be the uniform uh, prescription for every city in America, I just absolutely don't agree with it. And so before we move on to the next, you know, part in this defund the police um, kind of like controversy, um, let, let, let's just kind of wrap this up, the, the dismantling part. So Minneapolis uh, City Council members on Thursday um, overwhelmingly expressed support for broadening the city's approach to public safety, but they still disagree on whether they should cut the police budget. Um, Councilman, uh, Council President Lisa Bender, a part of a trio of council members, pushing a plan to divert police funding to new programs, expressed dis disappointment and a lack of, lack of action. There are places of disagreement that we will have very real impacts on our ability to implement the programs that we have proposed, Bender said. Um, the, 20, the city's 2021 budget is providing a major test of its leaders' appetite for changing po policing and public safety following Floyd's death and the surge in violent crime. Council members now have less than a week to develop a plan, uh, a plan a majority of them can support. If they want to fund the efforts in 2021, discussions will resume Friday afternoon and could carry on to next week. So now when they originally kind of like all voted to disband the police, it was, you know, things were kind of accelerating pretty fast. But then when it came to the prescriptions, it was like, oh, OK, now we got to really sit down and see how it looks like. So, you know, my thing to, you know, kind of like tankies and lefties who really want to abolish the police, like just straight up dismantle it fine like i understand that like i don't i don't really care um at, as far as it's locally um so we can really experiment and see how this is going to look like cuz you know like i said earlier every police department is not uniform and now you're seeing just about how funded it is um you know uh one of the city council members lisa goodman even said that for me, it's not about whether we should or shouldn't do a different mental health response, meaning that it's not about if or, or should we or should we not actually reallocate uh, forces, uh, re reallocate resources. Um, she continued to say, um, she continued to say, it's about how it's funded. Come on, everyone know what's what what this is about. This is a semantic game we're playing. So you could kind of see she was getting kind of fed up with everybody because it's like, oh dog, we we voted earlier this year to disband and dismantle the police. So that that's not the point here. But it's the it, the point is how is this program going to be funded on a local level? How is this program going to be funded? Um, now again, to my lefties and takings, this is not necessarily a dunk on you and saying this is why you we can't abolish police because look how hard it is for them to solve because at the end of the day it's not a dunk to say somebody hasn't solved something yet like at the end of the day even though this has been pushed back to 2021 there is a strong chance that you know we might get something in middle 2021 that is a really strong prescription and there is also a strong chance that they made a big mistake by doing this um we don't know we don't know we'll just have to see um but you know to the people who are saying completely abolish the police, please consider these prescriptions, and your the the uh, please consider these answers people these questions people have, you know, when formulating your prescriptions on what to do with the police department, right? Um, because this now you know we're out of fantasy land, right? Now we're out of fantasy land. Now we got to see okay how 
can we keep this ship going? Okay, so just because I disagree with abolishing the police or dismantling the police doesn't mean that one day it can't be valid. All I'm saying is with the information and the resources and the research gathered now, uh, currently, there's not really, um, a, a, you know, any evidence that support that supports that being an adequate prescription to deal with police brutality. Um, so, you know, but I would love to debate anybody on it. Um, I would love to actually have you on the show if you really feel adamant and you if you really believe that abolishing the police is the way. Um, so for this next section, what we're going to focus on, we're going to focus on defund the police versus direct more funding to the police so they can get more training, like implicit bias training, things of that nature. Um, because, you know, we're, we're done with abolish the police. So with defund the police or fund the police so they can get adequate, uh, more adequate training, between these two options, you know, I would like to break it down into two things. I would like to break it down into one, messaging, which uh, of these plans uh, have, has the best message um, that, you know, that it seems more electable uh, so, you know, we can actually, you know, get policy put in place and not only messaging, but the second thing is which one is actually the better prescription, because what we'll see throughout this, maybe, I don't know, is that sometimes the best message isn't necessarily the best prescription. Now, just hold on to that and remember that. Um, and so let's just go right in it. But but remember that the best message isn't always the best prescription. So first thing we'll touch on is messaging. So the first thing is messaging. Now, to compare these two, we um, for messaging, we have to kind of like tread lightly and like really look at the right source of information to understand um, which, you know, policy, uh, which pres policy prescription, uh, is, you know, is actually more adequate into actually solving what we want to solve, which is police brutality. So with messaging, we have to be very careful because unlike defund the police train, devoting funds, uh, so, you know, police officers can have better and adequate training isn't necessarily like a movement or like Jim Clyburn say a slogan. So it's really hard to poll necessarily what people want and not only what people want, but what people mean by that. So what we'll start off with saying is that, hey, at the end of the day, there is a problem. There's a problem with police and that it needs to be reformed. So when you look at the Gallup poll, that actually polled Americans um, on, you know, do whether or not if, you know, our policing uh, system needs reforming, uh, you see, you saw that over 58% of Americans say policing needs major changes, while less than 6% say no changes are needed. So full picture here, when it comes to just police reform, and you know, reforming our police officers, um, 58% say major chains are needed, 
into making uh, policing better. 36 say minor changes are needed and 6% say no changes are needed. So it's a like at the end of the day, majority of Americans do feel like that there's a problem with police officers and that, you know, we need to do something to solve it. So what are these areas though? Because even when you look at this Gallup poll, you see that while 58% say major changes are needed, 36% say, mm, well, changes are needed, but not really that much. So what does that necessarily mean uh, as far as like what would policy looks like? Well, when you look for polls, because right now, again, we're on, you know, making the argument for devoting more training and devoting more funds for better training and better resources for the police officers. So when you look at specifically, like this poll from USA, USA Today, um, that focuses on Americans want major uh, police reform and more focus on crime, you see that over 87% want to require officers to undergo training and de-escalation tactics, and 82% want to require officers to undergo training on how to be ra less racially biased, and 76% want to recruit more black Americans to become police officers. So um, again, so if we're talking about just better training for the police officers, it was really hard for me personally to find polls that pit this against each, pit, you know, you know, this specific prescription, which is, you know, more money to police officers so they can have better training uh, against defund the police exactly. Um, you know, both uh, defund the police polling is more binary and this polling is way more nuanced. So it's really, it was really hard to find that. But you do see that overwhelming, overwhelming people believe that, you know, police officers should withgo implicit bias training and recruit more black Americans to be police officers. I guess that means more community representation in our police force and, you know, and they also want officers to get more training and undergo more training for de-escalation tactics. So even though this is 87%, 82%, 76%, these are all high major majorities. Um, all of this, all of these things that were listed besides recruit more African-American, maybe, I, I don't know how expensive recruiting programs are for the police. Um, I, that's one study I didn't look into, uh, but at least requiring officers to undergo training for racially biased, uh, like implicit bias programs and uh, de-escalation uh, trainings, these will cost more money. So inherently, you cannot say defund the police and this at the same time. So this is the poll that I, will, I, I chose to use to say, okay, how can we like really pit these uh, two against each other? And so you see that this is electable uh giving officers more funds to you know handle police train to, to to police officers just so they can have adequate training it, it seems extremely electable now so now we understand that to be electable now let's go to the big dog the big controversial dog the big dog defund the police 
now uh for the defund the police there were so many polls that i just had to find the right aggregate poll um that kind of just summed them all up uh and of course nate silver's 538 kind of uh gave uh gave me what i wanted so for defund the police uh this was a an aggregate poll that kind of like took multiple polls throughout the media of, of multiple uh institutions uh that kind of uh well polled defund the police and kind of like just rounded it all up and just made this big huge number or whatever so in this aggregate polling, it uh, it consists of the Economist poll over defund the police, Morning Consultants, Politicos poll, and ABC News poll, and you know, rooted the Reuters poll. Um, so, when looking at defund the police specifically, over fifty eight percent oppose defund the police. And just over 31% of people actually support defunding the police. So, man, uh, I you can, like, look, we can look and, and try to go through more polls to see. But it looks like polls for defunding the police are telling us, hey, man, this isn't electable at all. Um People get scared when you when they when when you say this stuff, and over an overwhelming percent of people oppose it. Now, this this doesn't mean that you know people don't want to solve you know the issue of police brutality, because they do. As we've seen, you know, over eighty percent um, of people want to actually like devote funds, and over fifty eight percent of Americans feel like there we need major change to changes to our police forces so so what happens in this messaging what 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 gets lost well even in the 538 poll that i said uh nate nate silver uh because he's kind of like um the 538 is kind of like his baby um but um this article that i was reading was actually done by nate daniel uh rocket uh rackage uh, i really hope i'm saying this name right but when I read through this article, what you've seen was is that th a lot of times defund the police was getting entangled with dismantling the police. And so overwhelmingly, as, as even said in this article, um, in the article name is How Americans Feel About Defunding the Police by Nathaniel Rakic uh, on 538. But so what we what 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 they seen was what the posters were seeing was is that a, a good a good bulk of people who were you know saying they opposed the you know defund the police rhetoric they kept thinking that like oh man defund like which you talking about like abolish but and so and, and at the end of the day some people did mean that at the end of the day with defund the police some people were like dismantling uh abolishing instead of just focusing on just reallocating resources no let's abolish and dismantle the police force. And so this would cause, you know, people to automatically be turned away from defund the police. And of course, another element of defund the police is that people really legit um, feel that just putting more funds, adequating, uh, uh, I said adequate, um, um, directing more funds to things like 
um, uh, body cams, right? Um, to implicit bias trainings. These were the things that, you know, police officers need the most. And these things naturally, you know, require more funding. So, you know, that's what kind of led our leads to like this big opposition uh, in defund the police. So I, I don't think we need to say any more about this specific topic um, because we kind of got all the information from the polls. Um, you know, these type of polls are the best, not exit polls necessarily, but these type of polls, you know, uh, are, are the best way to kind of see just how, you know, certain movements are, you know, uh, certain slogans, you know, are will be vetted when it comes to actually passing the policy. So for messaging, messaging, for messaging, defund the police loses terribly, and we have to give this dub to, you know, um, uh, devoting more funds for more resources and better training for police officers. That That is clearly the better messaging here. But when it comes down to actual prescriptions, does that really matter? When it comes, because because here here it is. Like I know a lot of you people who uh, watch CNN, watch all that. Y'all gonna watch this. Y'all gonna hit listen to this and be like, okay, it's over. He's right. Defunding police is stupid. <laughs> Best messaging, of course, is devoting more funds to our police officers so they can have better adequate trainings and you know body cams and stuff like that. But just hold on. Just don't get too excited. Now we're about to touch into the real important part, which is the prescriptions. What is actually the best prescription? What is the, when looking at the diagnosis, when looking at the research of what works and what does work to, you know, end police brutality to our citizens, what is the actual prescriptions we should look at when solving this issue? We'll be right back and we'll get into it. And now it's time for the prescriptions. And since um, defund the police lost so bad the first round, we'll start this round with uh, the first round winner, uh, which is um, basically um, more training, devoting more funds for more training for police officers, um, such as, you know, body cams, you know, yada, yada. Um, so the first thing is going with messaging, we seen that overwhelmingly, over 80% of people polled uh, believe that more training, of, which focuses on implicit bias, um, implicit biases, um, focusing on training in de-escalation trainings uh, is basically the route we should go to when it comes to um, reforming the police or the prescription we should give. But when you look at the actual empirical evidence, you see that implicit bias training and de-escalation training actually does not, has not proven to uh, yield any positive results when it comes to, you know, people not dying at the hands of police officers. Actually, um, Harvard University did a, a, a meta-analysis over 492 studies and found that implicit bias training does not work long-term. Like, yeah, they found out that in you know that one situation, meaning like say for instance, like if like a George Floyd would happen, or you know a Tamir Rice would happen, well not a Tamir Rice, but you know a Michael Brown would happen, then 
uh, they would have the pl- Im- implicit bias training, but it would only stick for like a couple months. Like it, it wouldn't work as far as like really yielding positive results. Um, and as far as police not killing black people um, in, in large numbers. So it, it seems like it doesn't work. Now, um, why do people like, you know, the Democrats are, are, are just the Democratic voters believe that this is an adequate way to go? I don't know, probably because the message messaging sounds really good. Um, at the end of the day, um, cops are getting more funding. Um, and at the end of the day, it, they're getting more funded uh, funding, but we're devoting those funds directly to resources that are supposed to help them not kill us. But turns out that it doesn't help them not kill us. And so another um, big thing that was polled uh, to be, uh, you know, um, basically uh, when we were going, we were going uh, into messaging and rhetoric, um, what was polled very high was body cams as well. Now, when you it, now body cams uh, start getting a little tricky, um, it, it's not exactly that body cams are useless because um, they're not a cure-all, um, but, you know, when looking at nearly every case where a police officer was charged with a crime for killing a civilian in 2015, uh, relied on video evidence showing the officer's actions. So, meaning that every case that, because one one thing is for sure that you kind of got to get through your head is that most cases of police brutality aren't really, you don't really end up with a guilty verdict. Um, but where every police officer was just simply charged with that murder, um, it was, uh, an integral part of that case was that officer actually having the body cam and us actually having the ability to see that death happen on camera. But when you look, when you, when you actually dig into the research, you see that body cams overall do not actually reduce force in police officers. Um, so it is really, it's not encouraged for, I wouldn't encourage anybody on the local level to, you know, really start putting funds into that because it just doesn't work. It seems that like people are still killed with body cams as we seen, you know, people dying on these body cams. Like, you know, we, we see the videos of Moral Star on Facebook. We see, we see them all. And so to, to, you know, devote our money and just our time to that when it seems like it, it doesn't really work that well. So we see that more de-escalation training doesn't work um, from the 492 meta-analysis uh, 4, meta um, study done by Harvard. Um, and we see that de-escal- uh, uh, implicit bias training doesn't work. Um, diversity plans don't work. Um, and body cams just don't work. And also, what was another thing? Let's go through the messaging. Oh, and community representation when it comes to, uh, you know, your officers being from your community. Let's see how that, how the information is on that as far as the empirical research. Yep. Okay. Um, it, it, it doesn't. <laughs> so while racial, racial and gender diversity within law enforcement has increased nationwide and many police departments have implemented community policing, I mean, community policing, uh, 
Recent research suggests that these approaches are not effective in at reducing police violence at all. As such, we would caution cities against emphasizing these strategies as solutions. And so, yeah, these, and I remember this was a big talk in my town, right? Uh, I well, not a big talk, but I hear I heard you know some community leaders talking about this that you know we should focus, we should make sure that our police force is you know represents the community. Um, I, I, I to be honest, it's just some identity politics um, at the end of the day. Um, and the site that I'm using to gather this information is Campaign Zero, um, which is basically an organization that is devoted on to um, actually like um, making a police reform policy on local levels. Um, so Campaign Zero, you can go to the site, whatever. And so, um, yeah, it seems that this community representation thing, as far as like cops that look like you, still kill you <laughs> so they, they still kill you so it seems like it doesn't work so what's the problem here what's the reoccurring problem here when we look at you know the best messaging and we look at the best rhetoric unfortunately even though things like um community representation on the in the police force um things like um uh funding for body cams you know as far as like making sure every um local municipality uh has a body cam program um what 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 was another popular and oh yeah implicit bias training it seems like these uh prescriptions that are really good in rhetoric because like the post like I, I showed you the polls earlier that that are really good with messaging it seems like these aren't good prescriptions though and really, when you look at the empirical evidence, it seems like they are the worst prescriptions. So if, you know, that if devoting more trainings uh, are increased influence for the police officers so they can have better training um, for things like people with mental health, better training for de-escalation tactics. If it seems like these things don't work, then why are we still vying for them why are we why are we still saying that these are the prescriptions we should look towards before i get into that um let 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 let's just say that like um okay well yeah you're right you you have a, a point about that that you just Jalen, you just showed me all the empirical evidence that shows that like it's not really you know a good solution as far as like a, a, a permanent solution. But why should we, you know, vie for defund the police when defund the police is terrible at messaging? So, okay, here's the problem here. The problem that I see with, uh, uh, with a lot of politicians, um, specifically Democrats, because I'm a Democrat, Sometimes I feel the Democrats and even Democratic voters, we push feel good policy that's, you know, that is just feel good. It's, it's, it's policy that's supposed to make you feel good. Um, and I feel like this centers around like an identity politics and social issues. And yeah. Um, and even though we should focus on social issues, I'm not saying we're, we should be like the right and feel like, you know, no social issues at all. Let's just focus on the economy. No, we do need to so focus on social issues because at the end of the day, there are specific demographics in the United States 
that need redistributive uh, redistributive uh, justice. And that's at the end of the that that's period, right? Um, but when you when 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 we look specifically um, at certain policies championed by Democrats and Republicans, because I said just Democrats earlier, just because I'm a Democrat, but Democrats and Republicans, it sometimes feels, no, a lot of times, it feels like they're they, they're headed in the right direction into which their, their constituency wants them to go, but they give these feel-good policies that don't really solve anything. Okay, so a good explanation for Republicans would be uh, voter fraud. Okay, now the thing is, uh, voter fraud, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's mass hysteria for, for the most of the part. Uh, there was not widespread voter fraud in our elections. Um, but there is nothing wrong with having a tight and secure election. There's nothing wrong with that. And so what, you know, a lot of Republican, Republicans want is feel good policy as far as voter ID laws are concerned. They want to strengthen voter ID laws. They want to, uh, you know, uh, make it harder for people to do mail-in ballots. Uh, even though, you know, the Heritage Foundation, the Conservative Institute founded that, you know, voter fraud happens on a extremely, extremely rare occasion when actually, you know, relative to all the mail-in ballots that have been casted. So, but, you know, Republicans are like, oh, no, well, we need this feel-good policy. We, we need people to feel good about, you know, the elections. They don't feel secure, even though it's secure. And on the other hand, a good uh, example of what, how Democrats do this is this right here. Feel-good policy. It, it, it's because we're so focused on messaging and rhetoric that we get lost in a sauce, right? And it's like, like we start losing, okay, ideas of like, like the idea to comprehend things truly. It's we, we start losing that ability and I hate it every single time that it happens. Okay, like say for instance, I feel like I'm not explaining this well. You you have a um, car salesman, right? And no, not not a car salesman, better yet, a, a, a salesman at Best Buy, like a, a tech salesman, somebody who's it specializes in like selling tech to people. You know, they be this would be Best Buy, Apple Store, whatever. And so, you know, it's time for you to get this new tablet, right? And so, you know. At first, you go in there with your mindset on the new iPad because that's what, you know, your family has been telling you to get. They say you've been having this old tablet for like two years now and you need the newest generation of an iPad. And so you go in there, you get the iPad, right? But then you find out that like there's a lot of other tablets for way cheaper and that it and they still have all the functions that you use. Now, of course, they don't have the sp Apple specific exclusive stuff. Like I can't hook the hook my iPods up to this or some you know stupid stuff, exclusive stuff. Apple be avid, um, but it has the functions that I normally use. I can use the internet. That's all I need. Um, it, it takes pretty good pictures, um, and I don't really even need pictures. So it's. I, I can access the internet. I can access access my work apps, and since it's a work tablet, this is all I really need it for. But you know, the salesman, you know, wants you to get the better product, like like what's conceived as the better product, um, for you. 
Um, and, and he wants to give you a different prescription. He wants to say, no, you do need this expensive iPad because it just has so much more functionality. But you're telling him like, oh, no, I, I, I don't want that iPad. I, I want, you know, just a tablet. And so what in order for the salesman to sell you this iPad, he's going to start like, you know, kind of like throwing some sugar on it, you know. Uh, as I like to say, throwing some sugar on it, you know, not necessarily lying or not necessarily with having the attention to lie, but just giving you some feel good stuff that's going to make you really interested in an iPad. Like, OK, be like, oh, yeah. Now, do you know the iPad has the best camera quality ever? No, like that salesman probably doesn't know that for sure. Like, I'm, I don't know if it's the best quality ever. You know, hot and never it probably doesn't even have an iPad. But the fact is, is that we can we can run off with some descriptive truths. One of those descriptive truths being that, oh well, iPad does have like one of the best one of the best uh, um, camera qualities because we can see with you know Apple products that they have a way far superior front camera. So. Um, that salesman can make these abductions and, and say some some really bold shit like this has the best camera on it. And then uh, you go to Internet. It's like Internet works the best. Data is the best. Uh, charging, it, it, it could charge up to three days. It could charge. It could it could stay charged for up to three days. Meanwhile, that it, it doesn't say three days. It says like up to like like uh, um 24 to 48 hours um um and then it'll probably have that little dash of 48 and, and say like 72 or something but it's it doesn't necessarily mean that it's de facto going to stay charged for three days like it, it he's not going to tell you that like oh well of course like if you're on the internet that those three days are going to be cut massively or if you haven't any data uses those no he's not going to tell you that he's just going to tell you the surface level stuff that'll make you feel good but the problem with this is, is once you get that iPad and like you're sending it out and you're playing on it and you're expecting it to, you know, be charged for, you know, three days, you see that, you know, 20% notification pop up. All my iPhone users know what I'm talking about. When you have your phone on low battery mode and that, <laughs> that little 20% marker comes up, when, when that comes up, you'll be like, oh, dang. Oh, well, this, I thought this was supposed to be for three days. I, I, I thought that, you know, I was I was going to be able to charge this and keep this on for at least three days. And like you, you now you went to a camping trip and forgot your charger. And so now you can't use it. And and now your, your, your tower is about to die because um, you took everything that that guy said literal. Um, but he didn't because he was trying to sell something to you. The idea that messaging and rhetoric is more important than actual prescriptions is daltish and myopic, and I, I was about to curse because it, it, it is something that really um, frustrates me in politics. Like I love politics. I love debating. Um, I love talking about policy with people. I love talking about philosophy with people. It's 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 fun. It's dope. And I love the people that I meet doing it. 
But this idea where people just hammer home rhetoric, 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 messaging, 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 sloganeering, sloganeering. Like, bro, why is everything just about the package? Like, like I don't care about messaging and rhetoric if the prescription isn't there with it. So yeah, tell keep telling me that you know uh, if we devote devote more if we devote more resources to you know police programs, more funding to police programs, they could get better training and better uh, equipment and uh, da- data for body cams. Keep telling me that while I'm reading their empirical evidence and it's saying the exact opposite. So maybe we need a new prescription. Maybe we need to actually start being more prescription focused. Maybe need we need to focus on, you know, the problems that the police officers have. Cuz even uh you thought their empirical research was done? No, no, baby. We we still we still have some more. Um even when you look at um a study done by uh Kings County, you can see that um, Kings County in Memphis, Memphis, they did a study and they and it showed that officers who are overworked, meaning all officers who uh, have clocked in more hours at overtime, and uh, officers who worked longer work weeks, these officers more had a more uh, uh, more of a chance to actually commit misconduct in uh, in, in, in due to just fatigue on the job. So maybe, you know, a, a central problem of because 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 at the end of the day, there's still institutional racism. OK, I'm not going to be no big uh, libertarian and say that it, institutional racism or, or, or better yet, systematic racism isn't a thing because it is definitely in our judicial system. It's it's prevalent and definitely in um, our prison system. It's, it's extremely prevalent. But maybe as far as just just uh, policing reform. Um, a core centerstone of why a lot of misconduct happens is because police officers are so overworked. And so when, when police officers are overworked, my idea for a solution-based thing is to spread that responsibility, right? Because what we also see is that the more uh, social welfare programs have de- decreased, or just social programs have decreased, the more responsibility police officers have had. So like, say for instance, now, you know, the police officers are responsible for the homeless, they're, they're responsible for the mental health, they're responsible, you know, uh, for, you know, some something that happens as far as a domestic dispute. Like, the, like po- police officers are responsible for so much. And, and this can, and, and which can lead to fatigue, which, we all know which scientifically fatigue leads to bad decision making. That's why people say, "Hey, when you're tired, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Don't don't." I, I like I know me like when um I I had long work weeks and like I haven't been asleep for like two days and like I, I start repeating myself and like somebody has to tell me like, "Hey, bro, you said that already," because my my decision making and my judgment skills are severely hindered because I haven't got any sleep. So what does this look like? It looks like we need to reallocate some uh, responsibility. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. 
Uh, oh, God. I think we're getting to the end of this episode, guys. It seems like we have to reallocate some of this responsibility that police officers have. Make task force that can specially um, handle these issues specifically. Oh, man. Oh, God. We get to the end of this episode, uh, guys. It seems like the real prescription has to deal with levying responsibility and workload off of a poli- off of the police force. And how do we do that? Uh-huh. Maybe defund the police isn't that bad. <laughs> maybe, def- maybe defunding the police, which is reallocating resources to better programs and easing responsibility of police officers, maybe this is the best route to go. Considering that the best messaging and the best rhetoric, these policy pro- these policy proposals, which include more funding for de-escalation, de- training for de-escalation, more funding for implicit bias training, more funding for body cam programs and data, these things simply do not work. And even community representation, these things just simply do not work. And us as Democrats cannot be caught up in the idea of feel-good policy that's just going to make us feel good um, on the surface, but not really solve the issue at hand. So yes, to some people, this was a surprise. To people who are real fans, it's not. But yes, I believe that we should defund the police and reallocate resources. It's the best prescription, considering everything involved. Now, dismantling the police, that's a it's a local thing, but we specifically have to focus on you know just locally how that would look with with no police force at all. Um, but making federal these federal social welfare programs can start now as far as just you know reallocating resources to better programs. This this can start on a federal level. Um, and but one thing for sure, just you know feeding more money to you know a militarized police force is bad and it's not good and it, and it hasn't yielded positive results for our people so before i, I leave off with anything i, I just don't want to leave off saying that defund the police is the better prescription because at the end of the day there is a problem with messaging um so i'm not the best uh um messenger as far as like uh marketer, not messenger, but marketer. I'm not, because I'm the, I, anybody can send a text message, right? But as far as marketing, I'm not the best marketer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, leave a uh, kind of like a um, prescriptions that uh, other people have done to kind of like, you know, solve the uh, the issue of messaging and rhetoric. Um Campaign Zero, which is this, the the initial site that I was on, they also uh, made just this movement called Eight Can't Wait, and it is basically policies that, with coupled with actual empirical researches, shows that it can reduce um, police misconduct on the job, um, and immediate immediate harm reduction, and uh, you know. So um, it, 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 it's, it's cool. Eight can't wait. These policies are, are, are really good. Just eight policies that could be instituted today on your local levels that can, um, you know, better uh, uh, reduce um, harm done by police officers, or really misconduct done by police officers. So, yeah, remember, that's Eight Can't Wait by uh, Campaign Zero. 
I'm not going to really get into it today. But um, it just looking at this, you can probably look at I, I just wanted to give you guys this example just so you guys could probably fish through this and see better ways to message rather than defund the police. Because I do agree that defund the police is terrible messaging. We see it. So, you know, as a, a, a progressive, I want to reach across the aisles with moderates to say that, look, this is the prescription we need, which is re reallocating resources and easing the responsibility off of police officers. Um, but I do agree with you that the messaging is terrible. Um, on this side, they have something called divest, divest from police and invest into the community. And like, I mean, that sounds pretty cool. Like divest from police and into the community. Like, I mean, it's not doesn't have the same ring and, and it's not as snappy and catchy as the from the police. But hey, maybe that could be it. I don't know. Um, I'm not a marketer. I'm just here to explain these things uh, as ob objectively as possible. But that's it for our show today, guys. Um, very lengthy episode today. Um, thank you so much for staying with us. Um, I just really needed to make this episode because a lot of people are confused about what defund the police actually means. And so um, um, I, I hope this episode has taught you a lot. Again, um, to stay up to date with um, all of the uh, new episode releases, follow E to the Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, like us on Facebook. Um, and uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and we're going to start releasing, you know, content again. And so um, I really want this episode to do good um, as far as like, you know, boosting analytics, because um, this episode, as far as this topic is really, really um, one of my favorite topics to talk about. So if you can share this with your friends, share this with your political buds, I'll just share this on your social media. It'll be real dope. And I hope you guys learned a lot. Um, thank you guys so thank you guys so much for uh, coming out. And uh, peace. Have a blessed one. And defund the police.